Welcome to the Joy Factory, where we explore the art of happiness at work. I'm Susan DeFazio, your host and founder of Be Future Ready Today, where we develop toolkits that simplify our world of work and empower the how for happier and healthier outcomes so that people and businesses can truly thrive. Our podcast guests come from all walks of life, and today we're delighted to welcome Juvita Lal. Welcome, Juvie. It's lovely to have you. Thank you, Suzy. I'm happy to be here. I know, I know. It's uh, It's been a long time coming and I'm delighted to have you on. So, Jovi, just a little bit about Jovi's background. So, Jovi has considerable experience in human resources management across EMEA and Southeast Asia. She has her Master's in Human Resources Management from London School of Economics and Political Science and is currently the Employee Wellbeing Lead for the UK and EMEA regions at JP Morgan. We all, of course, appreciate the significance of wellness. So the theme for this episode, the art of balancing our wellness, Jovi and I are going to chat about the different aspects of well-being and how the physical, mental and financial facets are intrinsically linked, together with the importance of being aware of support options and touching on ways in which companies can amplify and nurture a wellness-centred culture. But first, I'd like to start off our conversation by asking you, Jovi, what does joy mean to you personally? Mm, that's a good one. Um, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it is a good one. Uh, and I have the perfect <laughs> example to tell you what joy means to me. So uh, I go to pick up my son, who's three and a half from nursery, I, I, and I go to pick him up about two times a week. And when I go to pick him up, and the moment he, you know, he he looks at me and he's found, you know, there are lots of parents and, you know, he's he's found my face uh, in the crowd and his, his face absolutely lights up with, you know, oh. happiness and he like comes running to me. I think that is pure joy. Yeah, I can just imagine his little face beaming with delight to see yeah. you. That's yeah. a lovely example. Absolutely. Because yeah. it can be different things at different times, but I, I just, I've got that mental picture it's a really brilliant example. Thank you for sharing it. I, I have another one as well, which Good. which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore, but it did for a very long time and gave me a lot of joy. Um, it was uh, my my pet uh, dog. Her name was Minnie. And uh, when when I moved away, uh, so she, you know, she was she lived with my parents, and then when I moved away for work, she continued to live with my parents. And every time I would, you know, visit home, my parents' home, oh my goodness, again her eyes would light wow. up, and she would wag her tail, and like she wouldn't move from my side the entire while I was wow. there. Again, I think that was a completely unfiltered joy, <laughs> joy for her, and joy for me. <laughs> yeah, really love a love shared. It's it's amazing, isn't it? And I know, I, I feel I know anyway, that Minnie actually lived for many, many years. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. She uh, she lived uh, to be 18. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that... she's no more. But yes, she brought me a lot of joy. I bet she did. And I bet you did her too as well. That's that's fun. That, two fantastic examples. Um, so now we get into sort of the work aspect of it. And I know as a senior manager at JP Morgan, you're responsible for leading the, the regional wellbeing strategy. 
And I also know that you have a deep passion for bringing all the elements of well-being together. So I'm interested on your in your thoughts on how you would define wellness, Julie. What does it mean to you? Uh, to me personally, wellness really means a relaxed state of mind, a state of being comfortable. Um, because I feel that's that's pretty hard to achieve these days. I think, uh, you know, just being in a relaxed state of mind seems to be quite a hard one. We're always either thinking about something or stressed about something or have somewhere to go, something to do. So I, I, I often feel like we struggle with, you know, being in a complete relaxed state of mind. Um, and another thing, you know, uh, there's a definition by Pfizer, which uh, really stands out for me. Um, they, they say that it's not my definition, but it really resonates with me. They say that wellness is the act of uh, practicing healthy habits on a daily basis to attain wow. better physical and mental health outcomes so that instead of just surviving, you're thriving. I really like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love that, too, because I think it really it touches on the fact that you have to really develop the habits that life can kind of take over sometimes as you were talking about you know that that uh, taking us out of that relaxed state of mind so i do like i agree i like that Pfizer example um, yeah it's it's a, it's it's a good one yeah. And from from um uh, you know from a work from a work context um uh, i think you know organizations have typically um you know layered wellness into three pillars um which include physical mental and financial health um and you 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 probably read this in the newspapers every single day now uh Susie, you're probably aware that money worries can have a huge impact on our mental yes. health yeah so financial stress can lead to you know sleepless nights anxiety and our inability to focus on work um, and the cost of living crisis is definitely not making things better yeah well it's very difficult to going back to what you said earlier about sort of that mental state of relaxing if you're worrying about how to pay bills and just make ends meet it's or even job security you know it, it, it's um it can really play heavy on your mind can't it absolutely it's you know i was talking to somebody who is um who's just uh, had uh, twins and um and i was like congratulations and such an exciting time and she was so anxious and she was not anxious about raising a kid. She was genuinely anxious about how she was going to pay for the nursery bills because wow. she said, um, you know, I've got, I mean, God has blessed me. I've got twins, but I'm not ready to have twins. Yeah. So it's, it's sometimes it actually hit me that sometimes we're not able to, you know, that relaxed state of mind I refer to, even though, you know, you've, you've delivered your babies, everything's been fine, but you're still not relaxed. You're not enjoying your, your parenting because there is a financial uh, you know stress that's on your mind it's nagging you all the time mm. I mean it, it's um, yeah it, when you think about having twins and it being such a joyous time you know that they're yeah. healthy and you've you've carried them to term and it's such an amazing um, life experience for it to be tarnished in that way just seems very sad doesn't it it does it does but unfortunately it seems that this is the the reality of the world that we're in that you know um, wellness is completely intertwined you know with what's happening in the financial world in your sort of 
inside your body physically uh, and that that impacts your mental health yeah absolutely and i know you've lived in different continents jovi so mm. do you think that the concept of wellness sort of is is different by geography you know or and, and how has it perhaps changed over the years what's your experience with that that's a really good question susie um and i do think that it most definitely varies by geography and it's also evolved over the years uh when I um, started my, not started my career, but when I started uh, working within the employee wellness space um, in India, that's where I I started my career. I think the world was so different. I, I don't think we had these clear uh, pillars of physical, um, mental and financial wellness. And first of all, I think mental health was absolutely not, you know, evolved um, at all. In fact, we didn't even use the term mental health because yes. we felt that it was a big taboo and organizations didn't want to, they didn't want to uh, even address the mental health of their employees. I mean, people called it emotional wellness just because they felt that nobody would sort of interact with this concept of mental health if it was brought within the workspace. Mm -hmm. But it has uh, changed so much and evolved so much over the years. Uh, it's so different. And I clearly remember, you know, um, one of the things that brought about this change uh, was a film star. Believe it or oh, not. Okay. Yes. So the movies are very big in India. And uh, at one point in time, a leading, um, you know, a film star, leading movie star, um, you know, came to the forefront and spoke about uh, battling depression. Right. Okay. And she went on to all the major news channels and spoke about it. And I genuinely believe that that turned a page somewhere. Because, you know, when they said there's somebody who's supposedly a celebrity, so famous, so beautiful, you know, um, you know, shiny and bright can also, yes, you know, yeah. you know, come up and talk about her battles with mental health, then this can be something that can be normalized. Um, and now, of course, it's evolved so much more and people are, you know, talking about, um, you know, the concept of mental health, mental well-being. Uh, so I do think that certain cultures have always been a little bit more evolved in talking about, uh, you know, uh, mental health in particular. Um, and again, financial wellness, again, I'd say was another aspect which um, I think in, in as you go eastwards wasn't something that was discussed so much even even seven, eight years ago, I'd say. Yes, yes. But, uh, you know, there's been a huge change. Now, you know, uh, all the three pillars are so well integrated and organizations are uh, making efforts every year to sort of, um, you know, just encourage people to, you know, talk more about their wellness. And within the organizational space, they're not shying away from that. Yeah, I, I think I, I've had similar experiences and I definitely um, you weren't encouraged to talk about things that sort of your, your emotional wellness, as it were. Um, it was almost as if it was sort of locked in a box and um, you didn't bring your whole self to work. And I think it's really important that there's more transparency now um, and you can definitely um, be a little bit more open about 
perhaps some challenges that you might be facing and perhaps more importantly, get the help from who you're working with and for in order to kind of navigate. Because at the end of the day, your example of that, uh, the movie star, um, it doesn't matter what things appear on the outside. We're all human at the end of the day. We have the highs and lows and sometimes they're more dramatic than others, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, I, I completely agree with that, that, uh, you know, what appears on the outside and inside could be a very, very different picture. Another thing I, I think I'd, I'd like to talk about is how, you know, how organizations or sort of the HR function that that somehow primarily is always dealing with employee wellness, how they have evolved from a strategic standpoint. I find that very interesting as well, because I clearly see the difference now. Um, so, you know, when, when I was uh, in India, I was responsible. I was working for a company where I used to work sort of helping organizations establish their employee wellness strategies. And almost every organization I went to had a very similar pattern. They had some extremely well-being, you know, well-meaning person in HR who had planned a calendar of events, you know, good things ranging from yoga or, you know, uh, you know, a talk by somebody or something on work-life balance. And, you know, they, they just got like a calendar of events and they were running them. And that was what, uh, that's basically what constituted an organization's well-being strategy. And I see that has evolved so much. Um, uh, Susie, and it's amazing how, you know, I know you spoke about, you know, bringing your whole self. It's how now organizations are focusing on what does well-being mean to an individual? Yes. Well-being doesn't only mean, you know, a productive day from nine to five. What are the different elements that impact anyone? It could be your physical well-being, you know, how well you are health-wise. It mm -hmm. could be uh, your children. It mm -hmm. could be your career. It could be your relationship with your manager. It could be your relationship with your spouse. It could be financial worries. It could be your aging parents or it could be your aging pet or a pet who's sort of not keeping well. All these different elements can potentially impact a person's wellness. And Absolutely. it's so amazing to see how organizations are now recognizing this and then using the three pillars of wellness to sort of, you know, define strategies that will support an individual's whole self and not just the self that they bring into work. Yeah. And, and what, are you able to share some examples that you've, you've um, seen that have sort of been perhaps maybe... Uh, new or quite simple or just something to give us a flavour of how organisations can really encourage that um, approach to balancing our wellness and, and focusing on the different ele elements. Well, some examples that I can give you is one, um, I think post-COVID, a very big change that we have seen is that a lot of people seem to be focusing a lot on their physical well-being right it's quite okay. interesting we see that in a very very big way and you know uh, for instance most companies typically have uh, a comprehensive an annual comprehensive health screen where you know you you go to um, 
you go to a surgery or that sort of place and you get a comprehensive health screen once in the year. Now, organizations are realizing that people want to really take care of their health on a more regular basis. This is not a checkbox exercise for people. Um, so they are trying to incorporate sort of well-being screenings on site within the office so that people can actually maybe take you know 20 minutes or 30 minutes out of their work they go down to a certain floor where the medical center is and get a health checkup done mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's one example i can think of another thing uh, another example i can think of is how a number of companies are making a lot of pioneering efforts uh, in terms of promoting mental well-being uh, we have seen an increase in the number of on-site counselors at organizations again just allowing people to you know go and see um, a professional during their work hours and actually encouraging people to do that um, and i find that very encouraging because rather than just having a service, you know, for the sake of having a service, if you provide it sort of, you know, on site uh, within the office sort of building, I think that makes a difference. It absolutely does. I know I, in one example that I came across a while ago was um, a telco organisation. And, you know, any kind of, well, most jobs carry a certain amount of stress with them, you know, um, particularly if you're dealing with the public and the, uh, they had call centres mm -hmm. and one of the biggest challenges for them um, in terms of supporting their agents was to be able to proactively identify when an agent was perhaps a bit, a little bit overwhelmed and, and, and whatever the, the, the situation was, it was very stressful. And so within the technology um, the agents were able to, you know, put a virtual hand up as if to say, uh, I'm kind of tipping over into an unhealthy, stressful kind of experience. I need some support. And that could be whether or not they talked to their team leader or they were taken offline for 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is. But I think that being able to, uh, in the moment, offer that kind of support, I felt that was amazing because stress manifests itself in so many different ways. And it is the one thing that is absolutely guaranteed to disrupt that sort of relaxed state of mind, isn't it? No, absolutely. And it, I, I, I am really aware that uh, you know, call centre environments um, People work very long hours, sometimes they work all night and they are definitely sort of under a lot of stress often. So that's, that's a really, really good strategy to sort of support people working there. Absolutely. Have you seen, um, have you come across anything in, in terms of where, you know, so that proactively being able to identify the mood of the workforce is there if you've got any sort of examples of that i'm just curious you might not so it doesn't matter if you do it but i'm just curious um you mean proactively sort of identify the moods of their employees yeah yeah you know sort of because you know i see engagement surveys and i think they're mm. great you know mm. you and um they're obviously very good and the insights that are generated but there it's a bit like exit interviews isn't it it's always after the fact um you know this is a challenge really i think for organizations to create 
ways in which they can sort of be more in the moment in terms of understanding the the the, the health or the or the, the the state of mind of the workforce. And I'm wondering if there's sort of any advances mm. in uh, initiatives or technologies that help organisations do that. There have been, uh, Susie, I want to say there are, I mean, I'll talk about two things. One, uh, I think a whole lot of organizations are now uh, uh, doing mental health awareness uh, training, not only right. for the managers, but also for the entire workforce. Because, you know, it, it, what, what is really mental health? Mental health is just, it, it's a state of mental well-being that enables us to, you know, cope with the stresses of life and, you know, learn well, work well, realize our, you know, potential, realize our abilities. And, you know, as I said, there can be, anything can contribute to sort of you know one not being happy with their current state of mind it could be your pet your parents and sometimes you might be sharing this not with your manager but with your colleague yes, you know who's yes. sitting next to you so organizations are uh, making efforts to try and you know upskill each and everybody to help somebody in need or to point or enable them to sort of point a colleague in the right direction if any further help is required sometimes you know you can probably just you know talk to a colleague and take something off your chest and feel better sometimes yes. you might share you know uh, with your manager that that you're in a more troubled situation and you perhaps might benefit from speaking to a professional so it's in the best interests of an organization to equip to equip everybody with those skills so yes. one of the things i'm seeing is and from a proactive standpoint organizations are investing in mental health training um there's also the concept of mental health first aiders just like you know we have physical first aiders you know in almost all organizations where if somebody's got a headache who's got got or cut themselves then somebody can put a band-aid or give you an aspirin similarly there are also mental health first aiders Right. Whereas if somebody is sort of, I don't know, had a just had an argument with their manager or, uh, you know, have, have, has had a, let's say, fight with their partner at home and, you know, yes. uh, been crying in office because of that, then there is uh, somebody who's got some qualified training as a mental health first aider and is able to support the uh the person there and then that i think that's brilliant julie yes. i really do i think that's because that is um, giving help and support um at the, at, at the point of the the highest need almost isn't it? it it's not it's it's very proactive i guess rather than reactive yes and there is a charity called mind mental health uh uh, mind, M-I-N-D, Mind. Um, they're a mental health charity um, in England and Wales. And a lot of organizations use their uh, mental health first aid training to accredit the people in their workforce they're trying to provide these skills to. Okay. And do you think, um, you know, you talked about um, sort of mental wellness. Mm. Um, do you think there's anything we can do personally to sort of boost our mental fitness, as, as it were, you know, sort of um, take care of ourselves um, in the workplace? What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think I think there are, there are some things that uh, we can do. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, if if we are to ask ourselves, you know, 
what physical fitness is let's say i think we're usually able to sort of answer with uh, with some knowledge you know uh, if i ask you sisudhi can you tell me what can i do to you know become physically healthier or fitter then i'm sure you can give me some tips on a keto diet or some nutrition tips yes. or exercise or strength training or you might recommend pilates to me or swimming to me but uh, i think when we think of mental mental fitness or what we can do to improve our mental you know well being sometimes some of these questions can be um, can be harder to answer but that doesn't mean that uh, we can't do anything about them <laughs> no exactly exactly well you know meditation i mean i know from my own from my own point of view i i wasn't somebody who felt i could to put it bluntly be good at meditation you know sitting still um but actually it's been a bit of a revelation and it really helps settle your mind quiet your mind and get, give you some perspective um so yeah i think there's things that we can all do that don't necessarily uh cost money they might take a little bit of time but even journaling or something like that Jodie you know these are the these are the kind of things that have helped me uh, and i've focused on more perhaps since covid actually absolutely i think a lot of people have found journaling uh, very very useful and even cathartic i think of you know uh, i think there can be f- there can be lots of examples but i can think of sort of four things one can do um and these are extremely simple things the first one is i think just being kind to oneself um i do think that self kindness is very important for mental well-being mm-hmm. and it can act as a very powerful antidote to many mental health difficulties um and i think research has also shown that uh, you know being encouraging and kind to yourself is more likely to help one achieve their goals than being harsh and critical So again I think uh, that's one thing that we can do another thing is to think about about one's thinking and and this might seem complicated but you know if you think about life it, it isn't always events or situations that upset us or lead us to feel difficult emotions it's often just the way we think about these things Yes, yes. So, our thinking in any situation it can be either helpful or unhelpful, and this can have a massive influence on how we're actually feeling. And I feel we often treat our we often treat our thoughts as you know facts, uh, but just because you think something doesn't make it true. So, I feel like when you notice a change in your mood, ask yourself, you know, what was I thinking about just before that? What was was the thought helpful or unhelpful? Is there a different perspective I could take which could be more helpful? So, just focusing on your strengths and achievement rather than your flaws. That's why I say thinking about one's own thinking is another thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. The third thing uh extremely extremely important is staying connected. I think it's very very important for our relationships are very important for our uh, mental health. Just being connected with our friends, family, pets, just reaching out to make sure that we feel sort of positive and energized. Just taking the time out to you know get a drink with your friends or a coffee and I, yeah. I think it's just you know shared interests and again you know knowing that you have each other's backs can be a huge comfort yeah, absolutely and last but not the least actually what you said take out time for self care and that that self care can be anything it could be journaling it could be meditating it could be exercise again whatever works for you yeah 
I, I think, I mean, these are really, um, really good, wise words, uh, Jovi. I, I, I particularly like, they're all valuable, but I particularly like the be kind to ourselves because uh, I think we all suffer from that sort of uh, internal talk and, and perhaps maybe women uh, do more than uh, the, the, the most and that sort of negative voice that's constantly feeding um you wouldn't talk to your, your best friend or even your colleagues like the, in sometimes the way you might talk to yourself. So I think it's really, that being kind to yourself is really important. Do you, um, when it comes to mental fitness, and I know there's sort of lots of support around, um, mm-hmm. but do you think it's easy for us as individuals to seek Perhaps the you know if you, if you've tried all um, the channels that you think are obvious, so you've maybe talked to your manager, or you've talked to a colleague, or you've talked to your family, and and it, and it still feels as if you're carrying a bit of a mental burden. And seeking that sort of more professional um, counselor support. Um, hmm. You know, do, do you think that's more easy to do these days in, in the workplace? My answer is going to be a bit of yes and no, uh, Susie, because I really think that this depends on the culture of every organization. There are some organizations that are making um, a lot of difference to change their internal culture and uh, the conversation that's going around mental health. Um you know, they're doing lots of sort of events in every function, every team is doing a small event, you know, to talk about, to talk about different aspects of man, of mental health. And, and though these might seem disjointed, this is in a way, you know, just uplifting the culture around mental health. It's just making it easy to have these conversations. If every function is talking about mental health, then people must think that it's okay. You know, if, yes. if, if, if 50 people in an organization are saying, you know, I had this issue, I went to a counselor and they're talking about complex issues. There are all sorts of complicated, you know, issues. Then it, it must change the way people feel about the topic. Uh, but um, some organizations perhaps are not making that much effort. So that's I'm saying that accessing help within the office is a matter of, you know, um, what culture you want to have in your organization. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, employee assistance programs, but most uh, companies these days um, uh, have something called an EAP on an employee assistance program, which is a which is an employee benefit program that, uh, you know, uh, assists employees with with either personal issues or work related uh, issues to access a, a counselor. So, uh, again, just the way this program is communicated by organizations, I mean, I, I think almost, I'd say almost, I mean, most mid-to-large organi- organizations have an EAP in place. But again, is this just uh, a tick box exercise that you have, you know, um, a service in place? Or are you really and truly encouraging your people, making them feel confident that it's not going to impact their career and they can freely sort of, you know, access the service uh, without any repercussions? I think uh, that's really important. So I think this this culture dialogue is, is really, really critical in organizations for yeah. people to be able to access some of these services is, would be my take. 
Yeah, and I think this is where the role of um, leaders comes in, doesn't it, Joby? Because the, the leaders have to be able to show that they are definitely uh, supported. So there's a, there's a balance of, of being supportive and perhaps being um, open as much as they feel comfortable with about perhaps some of their own challenges. I think it, it shows a high degree of strength if a, if a leader can sort of say, look, you know, I've struggled with this and or I've got some help here, not necessarily having to go into any detail, but I think this is where leaders can really help um, those that they're leading just feel comfortable in being themselves at work and and, and perhaps um, being a bit more transparent about any of their own personal obstacles um, that's happening to them. No, absolutely. And I also feel like one of one of the conversations that is, uh, I don't think it's strange, but I think is evolving in terms of what mental health is and, you know, when do you actually visit a professional or a counsellor. So mental health is really more than the absence of mental disorders. I mean, it's not that you you always need to have some deep-seated disorder to visit a counsellor, of course, or a professional, you know, or, or a mental health professional. You know, a mental health exists on a, I think, on a complex continuum, which is experienced differently from, from me to you. We all sort of like, um, we all react differently to, you know, situations uh, if, if, if somebody says something, I might feel differently about it. You might feel differently about it. So I, I really feel that one needs to normalize even visiting a counselor. I don't think you... And these are the conversations I think leaders in progressive organizations are having. You know, when they share their journeys, it's important to say if, if, you, if you've had, let's say, um, if you've had a if you had an argument with your uh, manager about, let's say, your promotion, which is something which, which I think would impact most people a lot. Yes. Uh, and you're feeling like you're feeling really upset about it. You can go and visit a counselor to talk about yes. it. Yes. You know, to to just share how you're feeling. So, and I think that's really important, isn't it? Sharing how you're feeling. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. So it's it's that's what I said. That mental health is it's more than the absence of these mental disorders. Because I mean, if you have if you're in depression or if you're in a chronic mental state, then it is absolutely like uh, imperative. You have to go. But a lot of times, people I think don't realize that even if um, you know you're you're having a bad day of work, or you've had a your bad evening with your partner, those conversations can also be shared with the counsellor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in, in your experience, mm -hmm. you know, because anything like that is so deeply personal, isn't it? I mean, I know we live in a world nowadays where people seem to be more comfortable sharing um, more personal aspects of their life. But do you, in your experience, these um these services that organisations maybe internally offer, but also external organisations, uh, they are confidential, aren't they? I mean, anybody listening to this, we would want to give them some sort of take on that and, and even reassurance that they are confidential. So based on my experiences, and I have also um, worked with an EAP provider, and I now work within the wellness program of um, one of the largest investment banks um, in the world. Um, 
I want to say that they are 100% confidential. So even in my organization, I have, um, and I deal directly with the vendor. So I have a relationship with the vendor who provides the service. Uh, there is absolutely no way that I am ever ever given any information on who's contacted the service and for what reason unless of course there is only under one circumstance that i am informed and that is if um there's a situation that that there is a threat uh, to life right. only in that situation uh what uh would the eap service provider inform the organization of course because then um you know, you're trying to save somebody's life. Otherwise, um, there is no way. Um, I mean, and, and I get sort of like, you know, you get quarterly reports on data and utilizations. You all get, you you get all of that, but there are no names, no functions. I mean, I actually don't even know. Uh, they don't even provide me information, um, you know, by each uh, each site location. So I'm only sort of given UK-wide or country-wide results. So there is no way I can know who's called the service for what. So this, it is 100% uh, confidential. And we do talk about that. I want to also say that um, this is a very, very valid question because while it is 100% confidential, Susie, this is a thought that lingers in the mind of many. A lot of times yes. people actually don't approach the service because they think, oh, you know, uh, the leadership is going to think that I'm weak or I'm having issues and, you know, um, I, I won't be able to cope. Um, so again, I think... Um, as somebody who means well and as an organization that wants to focus on their uh, employees' wellness, the, the organization, a lot of organizations are making efforts to, you know, talk about the fact uh, that this service is 100% confidential because unless they kind of uh, have that in, people are not going to use the service. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so reassuring to hear that, Julie, because, you know, you know even... In, in my um, life experience, I've, I've, I've been working with people who have been challenged, you know, and it's, they're, they're not at all weak. I think that's, you, you use that word and I think it's a really good one to, to think about because nobody likes to think of themselves as weak, but this isn't being vulnerable or having a life challenge isn't about being weak it's about being human we all feel it we all we are we're all challenged at some time in our life and i think that you know beyond what um organizations can do in terms of setting up programs and the infrastructure uh, and the money the funding and so on to to support it I think as colleagues, you know, you said, uh, be kind to, to ourselves. I think it is so important to keep, to be aware and be kind to others. And if you spot a change in somebody, you know, you don't need to cry. You can just say, is, is everything okay? Um, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. As something as simple as that, I think... We all have to, it's almost like a duty of care to each other, isn't it? Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I could talk about this for ages. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching our time because we'll, we'll have to draw it to a close. So tell me something. In terms of wellness, I know I've got a, a couple of things that I'm really focusing on this year. I don't set resolutions, but I do sort of think about what I want to improve on. Is there anything you're doing yourself to help boost your wellness, Jovi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you willing to share? 
I'm trying. Yes, I'm tr I'm trying. Uh, well, one thing I've decided, I've decided to set very simple goals uh, for my wellness this year. So I haven't, um, it, when, I, when I tell you, you realize um, that these sound like very simple goals. They do, but I often struggle with even achieving very simple goals, especially when it comes to wellness. <laughs> so, uh, uh, no complicated goals. Um, uh, first goal is definitely towards my physical wellness, which I absolutely did not focus on for the last two years. Uh, I, I did a lot of um, binge eating during COVID. Uh, so I definitely need to focus on my physical wellness. Uh, so I've decided to do um, 15 minutes of cycling every day. Oh, good for you. Wow. I, I, I'm nowhere close to achieving it. <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely doing, before setting the goal, uh, I was doing zero. But post setting the goal, I am I am definitely achieving uh, uh, three to four times a week, I'd say. Yeah, for yeah. Me, let's have an indoor cycle. So uh, well I do. Yes, I do three to four minutes of uh, cycling just for fifteen minutes. Uh, from a mental wellness standpoint, uh, I am definitely trying to be kind to myself. Uh, I am trying to imbibe that and um, not critique myself. You know, I, sometimes you have parent guilt and things like that. But I'm trying to say I, I'm doing the best of what I can in my current circumstances. So I'm trying to be nice uh, to myself uh, there for sure. Um, Good, I'm glad. <laughs> and on the financial wellness side as well, I've set a goal. I have decided that I am going to do um, some uh, level of... Uh, uh, bargain shopping. I'm going to look for good bargains. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Rather than just pick up the first thing I like, I'm going to indulge in, I'm going to wait for uh, a good bargain deal and, and then buy that. <laughs> Not be very spontaneous because I'm a spontaneous. I'm like, I look at something, I like it, let's buy it. <laughs> yeah, let's buy it. I know, funnily enough, that's similar to one of mine because I'm. it's about this conscious consumption you know that trigger i think oh i like that and i go for it and then i but it's really is it going to add up value is it just going to be similar to what you've already got or you know do you really need it and most of the time i have to say when i ask these questions um they don't really get through the vetting so uh, i hope to to continue with that because I think it just helps um, with that sort of financial well-being. It makes you feel better about yourself, doesn't it? Are you are you buying things while scrolling Instagram? I have to tell myself to stop doing that because like every time yes. I scroll, uh, you know, Instagram, they're like shouting out to me to buy something. <laughs> to buy something. <laughs> exactly. 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 The other one for me is... Um, uh, well, there's two actually. Staying active. So I have a request for you or for anybody that's listening to this. Uh, I, I'm based in London, as you know, and, and as you are, Jovi, but I am desperate to find out if there's um do you know this bungee fit? Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah, I'm desperate to find a studio where it does it in London. I haven't been successful yet, so I'm looking to do that. And and the other one is really a, a very simple one, but it's healthy sleep habits that I'm really trying to develop so that I get my 70 hours. I think that's, you know, for me, when I sleep well, I feel 
much more able to deal with the the highs and the lows and the the, the sort of the the routine of life, you know. So, but this has been absolutely terrific. Have you got any final thoughts that you would like to add, Joby? Given that I know you're so passionate about well-being, you're in the perfect job, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I I definitely do enjoy uh, my job because I do think. Uh, in a very small way, uh, it allows me to make a difference to people's lives, which I really enjoy. Um, I, in terms of last thoughts, uh, I, I think I'd like to, you know, talk about a few organizations that exist, and anybody who's sort of listening into the podcast might find it useful if they ever need these organizations. Um, there is um, a, a children's mental health charity called Place to Be. Uh, and they've got over 25 years of experience in working with pupils, families and staff in UK schools. Uh, and they provide mental health support in schools uh, through one-to-one and group uh, counselling. Um, so for any, you know, children's mental health related issues, um, they're a great place to go to. Uh, I'd also like to talk about um, a service called Shout. So if anybody texts the word Shout, to 85258 uh, and you can do this for free from all major UK mobile networks you are then connected to a volunteer for an anonymous conversation um, by text message uh, ah, yeah, okay. so this is a free uh, confidential 24 by 7 text messaging mental health support service, which is run by a charity called Mental Health Innovations. Um, so again, if anybody needs in, you know, in a difficult moment, please uh, feel free to text shout to 85258. Yeah, I think that's absolutely um these are really good recommendations. I had I, I'd heard of Mind before. I know you mentioned it earlier, but uh, these are great resources to have, aren't they? Just really good. Thank you for sharing that. You're most welcome. Um, yeah, and thank you for joining us, Jovi. It's been an absolute. You're such a treasure, um, and it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. We'll have to continue the conversation at another time. I don't feel that we've. I think we've just scratched the surface, haven't we? I know, I know, absolutely. And thank you so much for inviting me, Susie. I know both of us can talk for hours uh, about this topic. So yes, uh, we can. I'm going to I'm going to make you be kind to me and call me over for coffee so that we can continue the conversations. I would <laughs> love to do that. Love to do that. Thank you, Jovi. I I just yeah. Let's get a date in the diary. We'll do that as soon as we as soon as we can. Thank you, Thank Susie. You. Thank you. Some great insights from Jovi on the different aspects of well-being and curating a careful balance for the physical, mental and financial facets of our lives. I particularly love Joby's take on joyfulness, is having that relaxed state of mind and being kind to ourselves. And of course, tapping into resources that can help us along the way. We all need a bit of help at different times in our lives. For those of you who want to connect with Joby, you can contact her via LinkedIn. Please join us on the next episode of The Joy Factory, where I'll be chatting with our next guest and discovering their thoughts about how we connect and create happiness for ourselves and others.